Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you're listening, you're having a wonderful start to your Friday, a special edition of the Daily Hammer. As well-known, you know, a sports personality from Georgia and huge Braves fan, Lang Whitaker. Now, Lang, you know, does a lot of work in the NBA circles, but he also, you know, has covered the Braves. You know, he even wrote a book about his experience as a Braves fan, but big-time Braves fan, Lang Whitaker. He's been on the Hammer before, but it's kind enough to join us. We'll be talking with him, you know, in a few minutes, looking at, you know, some of the major headlines from spring training as well as previewing the 2023 season for the Braves. But of course, before we get to our conversation with Lang Winter, Whitaker, I want to remind you, you know that the uh, Battery Power podcast, the uh, podcast to be named later at the Daily Hammer, all can be found at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, and free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And on the field on Thursday, there were certainly some good things to talk about. Jared Schuster putting together another very productive, effective six-inning outing, uh, another, you know, bullet point on his resume, you know, to where he, you know, hopefully, in my opinion, I do think he's starting to become potentially the best option. But, you know, Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd really, you know, duking it out for that final spot in the Braves rotation, that fifth rotation spot, but Jared Schuster putting together another great performance to where he may be the option, you know, eventually in time as we're within a week of the regular season starting. And then, of course, at the plate, Matt Olson once again went deep. It is seventh home run of the spring. You know, it just has been one of the absolute best offensive performers so far in spring training, hopefully tuning up for what will be a monster, monster season at the plate. And you know the Braves will certainly welcome it, but it's, it's just so good to see, you know, the groove that Matt Olson is in. Picking up from, you know, where he ended last season um, at, you know, in the, you know, towards the end of the season as well as the playoffs. So definitely really awesome to see how, you know, special Matt Olson looks at the plate. So Schuster on the mound, Olson at the plate. It was a good day for the Braves on the field, but off the field, uh, a bit of concerning news. Not necessarily anything that, you know, should be considered highly significant, but but certainly relevant as it was announced that Braves reliever Rysel Iglesias, who who made sense, you know, to you know really step in to be the main Braves closer in 2023. It was announced that he's dealing with some minor or, or low grade shoulder inflammation, and again, not necessarily anything that's causing major concern. This likely is is more of a you know, hey, with where we are in the season, more of a you know precaution. You know, the Braves just making sure that he doesn't you know overwork himself through an ailment that could cause a, a bigger issue down the road, but it was announced that Rysel Iglesias is dealing with some low-grade uh, shoulder inflammation. He'll basically be shut down for seven days, and then the hope is we'll pick up baseball activity, but that likely means that he will start the season on the injured list, so the Braves will be without Iglesias to start the season with the hope that, you know, as rest will allow for, you know, the shoulder inflammation to go away. A week from now, he'll be able to pick up baseball activities perhaps he'll be able to return sometime in early uh, to mid-April. But of course, the news was announced that Rosella Iglesias dealing again with a bit of shoulder inflammation is more than likely, definitely going to start the season on the injured list for the Braves. What that could mean as far as, you know, the one thing that's definitely there, while, the, while this is definitely not the news that you want to hear, you know, it's the time of year where you're okay dealing with it because of the depth and talent of the Braves' bullpen. A.J. Minter likely will take over the closer role, but you could see Kirby Yates and others potentially step up in a committee approach. As far as filling out the last spot in the bullpen, 
that's become available now with Iglesias going on the injured list, you know, once the season begins, is Michael Tonkin, who's who's had a, you know, a pr- pretty decent spring. He could be someone that could fill that role. He is on the 40-man roster. He's without options. Or the Braves could decide to go with Nick Anderson, who was option, you know, in the flurry of moves that surprised many on Monday. Uh, he could be brought up to fill, you know, the, the empty spot for Iglesias until um, Iglesias comes back off the injured list. So the Braves do have some sensible options. So again, nothing necessarily a big significance, but certainly certainly relevant. You definitely, you know, would prefer Iglesias to be healthy going into the season. Uh, but, you know, it also makes sense for the Braves to do what they need to do to make sure that this ailment doesn't become bigger than it already is. And hopefully with a little bit of rest, Iglesias will be back sooner rather than later. Of course, the other news, uh, major news from uh, uh, Thursday that was uh, was announced also dealt with another pitcher, Michael Soroka, who was optioned to AAA. Now, this is in no way, shape, or form anything other than a procedural move. You know, when it was announced, you know, basically almost a month ago, that Michael Soroka was dealing with a minor ailment when it came to his hamstring and it was going to delay his availability to really get going in the spring with all of the injury issues that Soroka's had over the past few years, this was likely the writing on the wall, that the Braves were going to let Soroka work his way back through his helmet. He did finally get on the mound to make his spring debut. He, he likely will make another appearance at some point in time at the minor league level, but he was simply optioned down to the minor leagues for him to be able to really focus on ramping up his activity to hopefully become an option for the rotation as we get further into April. So him going to AAA is, again, merely procedural. This was likely expected, you know, for a few weeks once he made, you know, his first appearance in spring training. It doesn't seem to be anything because of a concern, you know, dealing with, you know, an injury after yesterday's start or, you know, that the Braves felt that he didn't look as good as they had anticipated. This is just simply the Braves allowing for him to go to the minor leagues, uh, to minor league camp and start the season in the minors and focus on getting comfortable with the, you know, ramping up his workload to a normal workload so that once he is ready to be an option for the majors, he can step in and be a reliable part of the rotation. And hopefully that will occur with, you know, no other setbacks or injury concerns. It really would be a special thing to see Michael Soroka be able to return to form at some point in time this season. But so of course, you know, it seems like every day there's new news when it comes to, you know, the roster, especially the pitching side of things when it comes to the Braves. Hopefully now within a week of the um, uh, start to the regular season, you know, the news that we'll start to get is continued positive performances, you know, from the final looks at the different members of the rotation and relievers as they're getting ready for the regular season. Hopefully we'll talk about nothing but positive pitching performances, no more injuries, and we'll finally start to see how both the starting rotation and the bullpen will look for the start of the 2023 season. But now I am excited to shift to our conversation with Lang Whitaker. Of course, if you, you know, have been a sports fan, you know, or, you know, in the, you know, around Georgia in the South and, you know, an NBA fan, a lot of his best work is known, you know, for covering the NBA for Slam Magazine, contributing to coverage for the Hawks, as well as GQ Magazine. He's now in his sixth year with Grind City Media, contributes to covers, uh, coverage of the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, coaches Grizz Gaming, as well as one of the hosts of the Infield Fly podcast, but also... Uh, Lane Whitaker has been a huge fan of the Braves uh, for decades now. And as a matter of fact, a decade ago in 2013, um, he wrote a book in the time of Bobby Cox, the Atlanta Braves, their manager, My Couch, Two Decades and Me. But Lane, welcome. And did I get the title of the book right? The title's a big mouthful of words, but uh, I think we, we ended up calling it in the time of Bobby Cox, Me, My Couch, and I don't know, two decades or so. I don't know. But it, I mean, it's a book about, it's a memoir about growing up during the Bobby Cox era of the Braves. Yeah, I'm from Atlanta. I grew up in Atlanta. And um, 
you know, was able to watch the first game. I remember was Brett Butler in center field watching the Braves. And then, um, you know, pretty much have been watching the Braves every night they've been on TV ever since then. The the title of the book is In the Time of Bobby Cox, the Atlanta Braves, their manager, my couch, two decades, and me. And, of course, I'm sure many Braves fans, Hawks fans, NBA fans, folks, obviously, who, who have followed Georgia sports for a while, Lane Whitaker, because of his excellent work and just one of the, the best guys that I've met in terms of covering sports. Um, I also, besides the Braves, cover the Grizzlies, and Lang actually has been, you know, with the Grizzlies and Grind City Media uh, for now six years. And while a lot of what he does is on the basketball side of things, Lang, you also actually have a, a very awesome uh, podcast through Grind City Media that focuses on baseball as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for the plug. Infield Fly is on the Grand City Media Network. And um, it's myself, Rob Fisher, and uh, Keith Murphy. And I'm a Braves fan. Rob's a Cardinals fan. Murph is a Cubs fan. So hit a lot of those teams that are kind of local. And we try not to talk about the other teams. We just want to talk about our teams. and uh, <laughs> But we do talk about baseball at large, too. But, uh, yeah, I get to talk about baseball every week. And uh, like you said, Sean, like um, – we get to meet a lot of people and I've really enjoyed getting to know you the last few years because we have a lot of things in common uh, between the Grizzlies and the Braves. I also cheer for a winning SEC team. I went to the University of Georgia. Um, so I've been able to uh, have that experience the last few years. And, you know, growing up as an Atlanta sports fan, uh, having this experience the last couple of years with the Braves and Georgia winning championships has been very unique and different and, and fun. Yeah. Hey, maybe the Grizzlies can add a title as well, and you'll just you'll have the dream sports run that a lot of folks wish. But uh, Lang Lang has been kind enough to join us. He actually was with us, um, I believe it was either during the off season or it was within the past six or eight months. But I wanted to get mm-hmm. with Lang again. Always enjoy talking with you for a bit of a season preview when it comes to uh, the Braves. And you know, of course, before we get to the season, Lang, I know you follow them closely. Every time we're able to cross paths, me, uh, me and you, and a few others, we always have a good in-depth conversation, but it was another very interesting offseason. Obviously, the 2022 season did not end like the 2021 did, 21 season yeah. did, but still some big questions. Another situation like we faced in the previous offseason where a, a critical member of the Braves and Dansby Swanson, what was going to happen, of course, eventually going to the Cubs, but just your thoughts overall, the offseason when it comes to the Braves and the decisions that were made. I mean, <laughs> where do we start? There was a lot this offseason. Um, seeing Dansby leave, I mean, it, it felt strangely like the previous offseason when we saw Freddie leave. Um, I, except I don't think we're going to see Dansby like crying about not being in Atlanta for the next three months the way Freddie started out last season. But I, that that was, you know, a big decision that the Braves had to make. And I, I that was one that I, I could see the logic. And I'm like, all right, this one it makes a little more sense than – to me than the Freddie one did, but um, you know, the, the big, the big trade in the off season for new, for the catching uh, at Newcomb. And, and I, I just wonder, like, to me, the big thing in the off season that we still haven't got really any answer for is, is going to be, and I know shortstop's a big topic of discussion, but I, I, I wonder Max Freed and starting pitching and, you know, we've done such a good job. I know Strider's locked up. We've done such a good job of getting these other guys into the, to these long-term contracts and that kind of thing. But to me, that's the big gaping question is, is that rotation and are we okay with this four or five that we have kind of, I guess, five, four and a half we have penciled in right now 
Um, and and what's the long-term things there? But I, I think everything else in the offseason, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I don't I, – I felt pretty good about the way everything went um, uh, to me. But I don't, what, do you, what was your take on it, Sean? I, uh, so when it comes to the off season, I, I was perfectly fine with things, you know, go, going into spring training. You know, I said all off season on the hammer and various other places. I thought that the Braves should have definitely added, you know, an, another option externally, you know, maybe signing Elvis Andrews trading for yeah. a bit of upside. I'm um, at shortstop. I thought that was the one move that, that could have happened. Um, and I think now we're seeing that probably should have happened, but to, to your point, the Sean Murphy um, trade. Uh, yeah, I realized I said Sean Murphy. I said Sean Newcomb. I meant Sean Murphy. But, easy, yeah. easy mix up. I've done it before as well. <laughs> I like the Murphy get. Um, I do. Agree. I do too. I do agree with you um, that locking up Max Freed, I thought may have been the move that may have happened that many didn't anticipate, but it did not happen. But we'll get to the starting pitching in just a moment. But, you know, you kind of talked about, hinted at the shortstop, um, you know, yeah. Seen this week, just your overall thoughts. I, I thought if, if we weren't going to sign anybody, at least there was some excitement in seeing what Vaughn Grissom can do. I, I get maybe the defensive questions because I think now more than ever, you need to trust your option at shortstop defensively. But for them yeah. to just decide, especially after Grissom's not really done anything to lose the shortstop position, for them to decide him and Shoemate go to the minors or Linda Arcia. Is your starting shortstop? Just what was your reaction to that news earlier this week? I was surprised, but I, I, I look at it from a couple of different angles, and I, I think it makes some sense. Like the Murphy trade really was about defense as much as offense, right? And with the new no shift and the bigger bases and all that, there's been a lot of talk in this offseason uh, about putting a premium on defense and teams trying to – the new money ball is stolen bases, right? So teams are putting a premium on defense and – trying to, to limit uh, base runners and, and runs in that way. Um, so if defense is, is really, really, really going to be your priority, I, I think you could make a pretty good case that of Shoemake and Grissom and Arcia, Arcia is at least the most proven defender of those three, right? Is that a fair statement? That is a good point. That, that, that is a very okay. so 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 let's say that that's one point. Point two is that, I think a lot of people, I mean, Grissom was fine in spring training, but people forget, I think, that when he came up last year, he was so good, and then he struggled and was out of the lineup by the end of the season. Um, and, and I think, you know, in spring training, you see the first kind of, it's sort of, to me, like the start of the season, like when, when Grissom came up and was so good, and then people started making adjustments. And I, I think with the Braves, you know, they've made so many moves these past few years with so many young guys, Strider, Michael Harris, Grissom himself, all these different guys they've called up to the majors on Contreras, you know, and they made so many moves that have sort of, I don't want to say decimated, but weakened to that farm system that if you have a chance to go with Arcia and Adrianza as your utility guy um, and you have Shoemaker and Grissom still down in the minors to, to give you a little bit more depth, um, I understand. I, I get why they did it. The other thing I wonder, and I don't know if this is true, but – you know who's leading the majors in home runs in spring training? I believe he still is, uh, oh. Matt Olson. Oh, we're going to get to him here in a little bit. Yes. So, sir. so, so I, but I wonder if if Olson and and the new pitch clock Acuna looks really good. I mean, I, I saw Acuna on TV today. I couldn't believe how thin he looked. He looks like he lost a lot of weight. 
Um, but but I mean, Ozuna's been hitting pretty well. Rosario's been hitting, like. There's been a lot of good things I think offensively in, in spring training, and I wonder if all of that combined gave the Braves a little more confidence and say like, you know what, we're going to double down on defense and shortstop and and give like I mean like what player has ever not benefited from having more time to develop, right? So I, I feel like maybe that gave the Braves a little more. And look, worst case scenario. Two months from now, you say, oh, you know, it's not working. Call him back up. So that that's kind of my – that's a lot of different little takes. But I think to me, like, looking at all those different angles, it kind of makes more sense than it did at first. But it was definitely a surprise to me to, to hear that, that uh, that Grissom – I got a text that Grissom was sitting down. And I was like, oh, so they kept shoemaking. He's like, no, he went down too. So it was definitely a surprise. Absolutely. And uh, that's a very well thought out, you know, it, to your point, it, 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 that's a very w- well thought out response that makes sense. You know, the, the uh, um, approach of, you know, hey, maybe the Braves have a little bit more offensive power, firepower to start the season off than they had thought. Maybe they want to go with their best, what they feel is their, at least their most trustworthy um, internal option defensively, perhaps. That could make some sense. I, I agree. Again, I just would have gone with Grissom, you know, go with him, see what you've got. But I, your point certainly makes sense. Now, that's the problem with my Sean, the problem with my point is my point is not a good point for Twitter. My point <laughs> my my point was like about four hundred words long and and very it would have been a thread nobody would have read it like I it's really easy to go on Twitter and be like ah they should have kept Grissom yeah but I I think that there's a lot of nuance you have to look into there and I and to me that that's the way to look at it but I don't know what do I know hey hey you know what the the, the thing that I'll say is this is that at the end of the day at least you have to your point options if Arcia doesn't work out you know they trusted yeah. him last year it, it didn't necessarily work out they went to Grissom they, they could do it again this year but I, I want to hit on another point that I think that, that that you brought up that makes a lot of sense I've hinted at it a little bit as well in time is that the starting rotation on paper has the potential to be one of the best in the majors, at least one of the deepest, you know, Freed, Strider, Morton, you know, you hope that Kyle Wright's good to go. And then after that, the other real good thing from spring training, you've developed more depth than you thought that you've had. It's Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster who are battling for the fifth spot. Bryce Elder, Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka and others after that. But I do agree with you. There's a lot of intrigue, a lot of potential but there's also some fair questions to ask for a lot of the starters, I think, beyond Max Reed. Just your thoughts of how spring training is done starting rotation-wise and where your feelings are with it as we enter the season. I would say I, I would my, I'd rate my confidence like a, a 7 out of 10, maybe, 6.5 out of 10, 7. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you figure at some point Morton's going to kind of turn the corner, right? Like he's been really good, but he's he's old. And, and and at some point you figure like he's going to start that decline and that decline is going to become kind of steep. Um, you know, Strider was great last year, but is that sustainable? You know, Kyle Wright was incredible last year, but yeah, he's, you know, is he okay? We, we think he's okay, but you know, like he, there's some question marks there with his health. Um, you know, Freed's the, Freed to me is the one guy you can look at and say, okay, we know what we're getting here. This is our guy. And maybe that's enough. Maybe it's enough to have one ace, you know. But um, I, I, I don't know. I, it's I, I was hopeful that even if if Ian Anderson was good enough to start, at least you know he gives you that kind of veteran guy who's been around, even though he's so young. But he, he you know, he's pitched in huge games and pitched in the World Series and and had big moments for the Braves. Um, I was kind of hoping Soroka would be good enough to go, um, but. 
but he's he's you know clearly a ways away. So I I, I would say six out of ten. I'm 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 being very glass half empty looking at the starting rotation. I get it. But I, I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like with everything that the Braves have done the last few years, like that's the one the one thing that they kind of have, have put – I don't know if they put that on the back burner or just haven't prioritized, but pitching to me is – you know, you always hear you can never have too much pitching. And the Braves have a lot of great options, you know, no doubt. But I, I wonder when those options become a little bit more concrete. Agreed. And, and and to your point, you know, last year it was, you know, the breakout season of Strider and Wright. You know, if they were to regress a little bit, where do those yeah. breakouts where do those breakouts happen? You know, does Ian Anderson get right? Does Morton get more consistent? You know, potentially or, or maybe it's maybe it's Schuster or Dodd. There you go. There you go. It it definitely could be that. It wouldn't surprise me if one of those guys definitely stands out. But when we're talking about returning to form, um, you know, another really, really exciting thing is that Lang, you know, we, we, we got Ozzy Albies and um, yeah. Ronald Acuna Jr. potentially looking at both of them hopefully having a full healthy season together for the first time since 2019. It's been that long since we've wow. had both of them healthy. They look good at the plate as the World Baseball Classic continued on. I'll get your thoughts on that here in just a second as well. But as yeah. the as the Acuna went through the games in the World Baseball Classic, he was back to his old self. Hitting balls you're not supposed to swing at 105 miles per hour <laughs> exit velocity that nobody else can do. But just how excited are you to see? I know Albies is working his way back in the field, but how excited are you to see both of them healthy and their offensive games, you know, hopefully back to where we all know they could be? Yeah, I think we took took them for granted a little bit. Um because we just got so used to seeing them. And, and I, I, I don't know if I, – I, Acuna hasn't really – you know, I, I know last year he was a big talking point among Braves fans and, and you know, he, he's not healthy or is he healthy or what's going on? Does he not hustle enough? All these different things. But uh, I, I, the thing I always think about with those two guys is, you know, I have a son who's 10 years old and he's getting into baseball. Like, those are his two favorite players. Because those guys play a dynamic style of baseball that it's pretty rare these days, and and they're to me the two most dynamic guys on the Braves. Their ability to do everything, you know, they're real five tool players. They hit, run, defend, dive. They're they're you know Ronald's uniform and Ozzy's uniform are probably the two dirtiest on the team after the first second inning because they're always all over the place and sliding around. So I I, I love the way they play, and I think if Acuna is healthy. Um, and, and like I said, I, you know, I was watching some of the, the Mets game, uh, preseason game today on TV. And uh, uh, that's, I said preseason because that's my NBA life. Um, <laughs> the spring training game today on TV. But uh, I, Ronald looked, looked trim. Like he, looked, he looked a lot thinner than he did last year. And, and I think that might bode well for the base pass with him. Um, so I, I, I love having the two of them um, back and healthy and and ready to go. And I, I feel like they're sort of the engine on the, on this team. They, they kind of give you the, uh, here's another uh, baseball, another basketball metaphor. They give you the grit and grind with the Braves. And then you put on top of that Olsen and, and Austin Riley. And, you know, they, they, it's crazy. We've gotten to this far. And we haven't even mentioned Austin Riley's name, um, but you put on top of that, you know, the power guys and, and everything else. And it, it's quite a package. The Braves uh, have available as long as we can keep everyone healthy. 
Absolutely. And, you know, you, you mentioned it, you know, with the, uh, you know, new rules in place that could, you know, be definitely advantageous to base runners. I know a lot of people talk about what Trey Turner and others can do, but when you combine Albies and um, Ronald Acuna Jr., Michael Harris, the second, what they could do, that's going to be a a lot of exciting opportunities. But then of course we got our two pillars of power, um, you know, Matt Olson and Austin Riley and Matt Olson has just been absolutely otherworldly so far in spring training. Austin Riley's put up good numbers as well. But we've seen Riley over the past few years, you know, really be in the back half of the top 10 of the MVP conversation. At times, even, you know, top five. Matt Olson took a little bit of time of transitioning, but at the end of the year, he was a big reason why we got it. Uh, With the shift gone, Olson now in his second year in the National League, I'm thinking big things can come from him. But we talk about the you know, dynamics, you know, of the, of the five tool opportunities that are there with, you know, Harris II, Acuna, and Albies. But when it comes to the power, which is the bedrock of this Braves lineup, it starts with Olsen and, and Riley. And I think we could be in a big season for both of them once again. Yeah, I agree. And like you, like, I, I've really been encouraged watching Olsen this, this spring training. With Without that shift, um, you know, he he's just been hammering that ball, um, especially to right. And I, you know, I think we forget Austin Riley's 25 years old, you know, <laughs> he's still so young. Uh, and, and I feel like he's kind of just scratching the surface um, of, of what he can be. And we've also seen him improve every single year. And to me, that bodes well um, once the season gets going and once we see him kind of get in that group of playing every day and all that stuff. But I, like, like you, like, like I said, that to me, uh, Ozzy and, and Acuna are kind of the, the, the fun stuff with the Braves lineup. And then you get like, you've called them pillars of power, like <laughs> Riley and Olsen on the corners are the guys who are just sort of bedrocks for this team. And, and I, I can't wait to see what they do, but I, I think Olsen's going to have a breakout season. When, when he's connecting, it, it, it's a pretty swing. I'm not saying it's King Griffey Jr. Esque, but, but it, yeah. it, it is a very, very pretty swing. But, but, but speaking of King Griffey Jr., you know, Lane, you, you've been covering, uh, you know, the NBA for, 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 for years now. Um, you have seen, you've witnessed, you've been there firsthand, I'm sure, in many occurrences of just how important uh, the expansion of the NBA internationally has led to the popularity and growth of the sport. Baseball, you know, in a way has had that, but I don't know if we've seen something in terms of just one event impact baseball internationally like the World Baseball Classic. And I know that there were a few instances of negative opinions that a few had out there, but just an overwhelming success recently with how special it was to see Acuna and Team USA, you know, the Shohei Otani, Mike Trout face-off to end it. Your thoughts on the World Baseball Classic, and in my opinion, just how special of an experience it was. Just a lot of fun. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I, I wrote a story for GQ. I worked at GQ at some point. About ten years ago, and uh, I wrote a story while I was there about the Dream Team um, and about the the Olympics and you know ninety two in Barcelona and everything they did uh, and and how it really opened the NBA to the international market. And I, to me, like I don't I don't know that the World Baseball Classic is going to be the, what the Dream Team was to the NBA, but it sure didn't hurt. Um, and, and like. I, Rod Fisher, who I do the podcast with for Grand City Media, and he's the Grizzlies sideline reporter on Valley Sports. Uh, the, the Grizzlies were in Miami last week and had a day off, and Rob went to the World Baseball Classic. 
and just to kind of see what it was like. And, and he was converted being in the house. He, he kind of, you know, he's a big baseball fan, but he was like, I don't really know anything about the world baseball. I guess I'll go. He went and he said it was unbelievable. Um, you know, he was there for Venezuela, I think against Puerto Rico. So he saw Acuna play. He got me an Acuna t-shirt Jersey. Uh, and it, but he said it was that just seeing the, the intensity and the, the, the way that the crowd was into it um, really just kind of blew his mind and, and made him totally buy into the whole idea. I'm also a soccer fan and being a fan of, of the World Cup and seeing how that has worked. You know, I, I don't know if it's at any point the World Baseball Classic will be what the World Cup is to soccer. Like, you know, in soccer, you dream of winning a World Cup for your country. I don't think kids in, at this point grow, grow up wanting to win a World Baseball Classic for their country. They want to win a World Series. Uh, the same way basketball players grow up wanting to win an NBA title, you know, a gold medal is nice, but I feel like at some point, maybe the World Baseball Classic becomes that. But uh, it, it was awesome. And uh, that that Trout-Otani thing you mentioned, like that that was unbelievable to watch. And it, we talked about this today on, on the Infield Fly podcast. I brought this up. I'd like your take on this. Do we, do we now – do we have to say that Otani is one of the best baseball players ever? I, th- I think you have to because, I, I, I mean, you have multiple years of him – putting together production that is unprecedented, right? Like, you know, you want to talk about, you want to talk about a pitcher who, um, what was dominant in his time and turned into a pretty dominant hitter. I mean, I I don't necessarily want to go out and say that there hasn't been anybody with him like Babe Ruth, but when it comes to what we're seeing, this is the closest thing that we've seen, right? Yeah. But also, but also think about like, like Babe Ruth played in the era of segregation, like not necessarily against the best talent. Good point. point. (laughs) Available. And and, and uh, I, Otani like also is is he's a legit like he can he can run he can he can he's athletic uh, unlike I mean we haven't really seen Babe Ruth clearly but uh, I'm sorry to cut you off but but no. my point but my my thought is like I, I don't want to say he's the greatest player of all time because you know that to me greatest entails winning and different things like championships and all that but athletically like I I. I don't know if we've ever seen anybody like him and if we ever will, like I, it's, it's unbelievable to me what he's able to do. When you talk about five tool player lane, you know, we talk about the fact that Ronald Acuna Jr. Is that type of player. There are several players that are like that, but you really truly don't get to see it at its max because when we talk about the five tool player, we're talking about these position players and what they can do within, you know, the parameters of the position that they play. Otani really is showing the ability to maximize everything. Like Otani is that creative player on MLB The Show that you can 99 (laughs) out everything, right? And and that we've not seen that before. So from your perspective, from that perspective, I agree with you. He absolutely has that claim, and he's already won an MVP award. He's, you know, Aaron Judge last year deserved the MVP, in my opinion, but it's hard to argue that Otani right now is the best player in the world. Um, He's probably passed his teammate, Mike Trout, in that regard. But, yeah, I definitely think that especially if he continues this over the next few years, you could say he's probably the best baseball talent we've seen maybe ever. So I think that's well, that's a, That's the thing. Like, if Mike Trout had pitched the top of the ninth, okay, then we can have that conversation, right? Fair and enough. We could say maybe, maybe Trout's in the conversation. But he didn't. Like, nobody else could do that. Like, and that – and even Smoltz on the broadcast kept talking about, well, we've never seen him close before. Closing is totally different than starting. Of course, Smoltz is trying to make the case that it's really hard to, to close if you've been a starter your whole career. Um, but he kept making, he kept bringing that up, and then Otani comes in and just mows him down. And and, and Mike Trout, 
is the last guy. Like, so it, it was unbelievable to me to see that and, and to, to watch him do that. And uh, I, I think you and I are on the same page here. Like we, we, we've never seen anything like this before. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that's to your point. Like when you, when you talk about Otani and you're like, okay, greatest ever, I, I don't really know if I'm there yet, but then you start to think, and he's shown everything that's put in front of him. He can do it's 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 quite amazing for sure. There's also I, I always make the case because we go back to basketball here. Whenever people ask me uh, LeBron versus Jordan, and I always say to me LeBron is the best basketball player ever, just physically and all that stuff. But to me, Michael Jordan is the greatest. Uh, yeah, and, I, and to me, I draw a line between the two in my mind, and I, I feel that way with baseball. And at least you know I don't, I don't know if it's. it's Fair to say he's the best player ever, but watching Otani the other night, I, I, I it, my mind was blown. You and I have the same exact opinion when it comes to LeBron and and Jordan, and for me, you know, it's Jordan, you know, just being the original. But sure, you know, at, at at the end of the day, I'll also sit here and say that Chipper Jones is the greatest baseball player ever. But but I, <laughs> I I absolutely agree with your logic. I'm just glad that we get to see we've been able to see both Trout and Otani within a decade of each other. It, it's so much fun to see them. You know, perhaps they'll you know turn the tide this year and and, and be able to to have some success with the Angels, but. Speaking of success, Lane, you know, while, while as we as we wrap up here with Lane Whitaker of Grind City Media, um, just some thoughts of yours on the season. I mean, the Braves are, are right there, probably in you know what many would consider the most tightly contested division. The Phillies last year, within you know two games of the World Series, the Mets, a hundred win team, the Braves. You know, all three of these teams were in the playoffs. How do you see the Braves? You know basically having success compared to last year? How do you see them stacking up in the NL East? And, and you know, what, what is your confidence level that they'll be right there once again, hopefully going after an NL pennant and, you know, having a chance in another World Series title? I feel like at the worst, the Braves are going to be in the mix in the NL East, right? Like at, at, at the worst, we're going to be one of the better teams in the NL East. You know, maybe you finish second or third, but maybe that's enough to make the wild card in the NL East. But I, I think at the worst, like that should be the, the basement for this team. Um, I, but at best, like I think they're definitely good enough to win the NL East and, and to contend for a world championship. Um, you know, the Mets, I, I mean, what a killer losing Diaz the way they did in the World Baseball Classic. But uh, and then today, like the Phillies, you saw uh, Hoskins go down and I don't, you know, I haven't heard uh, exactly what what the diagnosis is with him, but that didn't look good. He's he's, um, he's got a torn ACL, and they're announcing that yeah. they out for the year. So, yeah. So, I mean, I I think you know we talk about in the off season what teams made moves and who they signed and all these things, but you know we saw it with Ozzy and and Ronald the last couple of years. You know, in the blink of an eye, all that can change. So, I I think the Braves have done about as well as you could <laughs> these days to to assemble a roster that should be able to have the depth and everything else. And, and not just a roster, an organization. They'll have the depth and the, give you a chance to compete and to contend. And um, now we play on the field. And the other thing I, I think we've learned, and I mean, this goes back to the to the Bobby Cox era, is, is you know, marathon, not a sprint. It's not going to be won or lost in one game, one night. Uh, it's really winning series and, and stringing that together over the long term. And, and I, I think this Braves team has such a good mix of – veterans and experience and young guys and excitement and athleticism and moxie and everything else you could look for. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the season to start. Absolutely. And as of this recording line, we are within a week of it happening. I know. 
Don't so cannot wait for it. Um, his name is Lane Whitaker, part of uh, the great group over at Grind City Media, um, as well as you know he does many different things for the Grizzlies, Grizz, you know Grizz Gaming, you know obviously you know stuff for Grind City Media itself. Of course, his uh, book in the time of Bobby Cox, the Atlanta Braves, their uh, manager, my couch, two decades. And uh, obviously the baseball podcast that he does with Rob Fisher, um, you know, in, in, in field fly. But Lang, thank you so much for taking the time. You can follow him at Lang Whitaker on Twitter. Lang, thank you so much. We'll, we'll make sure to have you at some point during the season. Always a pleasure catching up with you. I love talking to you, Sean. Anytime you want me to come on, please just text me. Let me know. And um, I, at some point, maybe tomorrow night at the Grizzlies game, you can tell me your take on DeMichael's uh, idea about Tim Anderson. But that's another conversation we can have. <laughs> a little bit of a tease there, but we definitely <laughs> can, can talk about that. <laughs> Lang is uh, Lang's referring to a fellow Grizzlies media member, a beat writer for the Grizzlies for the Commercial Appeal, and Locked On Grizzlies uh, host DeMichael Cole, who you know hosts Locked On Grizzlies, of course, fellow Battery Power podcaster Brad Rowland hosts Locked On Hawks. But Lang's referring to uh, whenever me, uh, him, and DeMichael cross paths at, when covering the Grizzlies, I always like to talk about the Braves and you know ways to potentially improve the team. And of course, a dream you know would be uh, to go after a player such as Tim Anderson to be the long shorter the long-term shortstop option but of course that likely remains a dream and just you know severe speculation but it's never never a bad thing always fun to, to think about what could be lane thank you so much hope you and you know have a great weekend and for all of those hope y'all have a great weekend hope your brackets continue to do well go braves obviously plenty of stuff to cover over the final weekend before the regular season but we'll have you here covered on the daily hammer until next time for lane whitaker my name is sean coleman we'll talk with you soon here on the Daily Hammer.